welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 21st of March 2010, entitled The Genesis of Sin, and the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. The Genesis of Sin. I don't know if anybody knows what the word Genesis means. Um, it's a... Uh, The Hebrew word is Bereshit, and it actually means beginning. And um, this basically is a message about the beginning of sin. And uh, we're going to look at that well-known passage, um, chapter 3. If you'd like to stand as we read, we're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 6. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you. For this time, Lord, in our service tonight, where we can just focus upon the Word of God. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts, dear Lord, about the beginning of sin. Help us, dear Lord, to realize this evening how sin starts, where it comes from, and how it affects, dear Lord. And we pray, dear Lord, that as we go out of these doors this evening, that we may Lord, not just have a better understanding, but we may put what we've learned into practice and that we may bring glory to the Lord Jesus. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. There's a verse that I would like to go alongside, verse 6, because verse 6 of Genesis 3 will be the main verse that we're going to look at tonight. But I'd like you just to... Well, keep your fingers in Genesis 3, but just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. And here um, we see that it's speaking about how when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they went into the wilderness and um, how it says that they drank from from, uh, the spiritual drink, from the spiritual rock, which was Christ. And, um, but then he goes in verse 5 and it says that uh, with many of them, God was not pleased and they were overthrown in the wilderness. And I would just like you to turn your attention to another verse 6. It's just uh, the next verse and it says, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And you know that the scripture likes to give us examples. And we're going to have a look at one example tonight. She's called Eve. And I want us to 
see four steps that Eve made to sin. And they're the, fir- they're the four steps, basically, that we take as well when we're, when we're going to uh, fall into sin. And um, I want you to see that the first one here in verse 6, the first step that Eve took was that she saw. Okay, let's just have a look at verse 6. And it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Have you ever heard that song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. That is a warning, really, in that song. Um, You know that the Scriptures teaches uh, some important truths about these two eyes in in your your body. And um, the first thing that the Bible teaches I want us to look at tonight is that they are the windows of our souls. Okay? Let's just turn, keep your, your, your hands in Genesis, but just turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And I don't believe this is only just speaking about the physical body. I believe there's also a spiritual uh, aspect as well here because it's speaking about um, evil. Um, and we just uh, look at Luke 11 and verse 34. And here the Lord Jesus Christ um, is speaking here about light. And he's saying in verse 34, he says that the light of the body is what? Is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. And verse 35, Take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness. So I believe that here we can see that the eye has a spiritual connection to the body, but also uh, to the soul as well. Let's just turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And here um, we have the writer speaking about the physical body. And um, he's saying here, I think we've used this one once or twice in the residential homes, just to point out how our physical bodies deteriorate. And um, in verse um, 1, it says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. And notice in verse 3, it says, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. What do you think the keepers will be? Well, we'll be talking about the knees, that comes it, the legs. And then it says, and the strong men shall bow themselves. I believe this could be talking about the knees. And the grinders cease because they are few. What would the grinders be? They would be the teeth, wouldn't they? Okay. And uh, then it goes on to say, and those that look out of the windows be what? Darken. I believe this is a reference to the eyes. And this is what happens as we get older, the teeth start to come out. And you know, I don't want to go into all the description. But these are things that happen uh, to our physical bodies. But um, 
Somebody once said that the eyes are like the portal or the, the door to the mind and to the soul. There's a, a proverb, Proverbs chapter 15, which bears this out. Proverbs 15 and verse 30. <clears throat> and it says here, it says that the eye, sorry, the light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart. So we see here that the eye, again, it has a connection with the body. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart. And um, our eyes, they often set what our heart desires after. How do we know that? Well, I think the pastor touched upon this uh, a few days ago when he was speaking about um, the uh, advertisers, you know, the big billboards. You know, when we came to Birmingham, <clears throat> well, we, we came from Chester, but when we came to Birmingham, it was such an eye-opener to see the size of these billboards everywhere on the roundabouts. And, uh, you know, it was amazing. When you live in Birmingham, you don't realize uh, this so much. But when you come from a, um, a quieter place, and you come to a big city, you notice all these big billboards, and you notice the advertisements. And uh, do you know that the advertisers know, they know that if they can capture the eyes, then the heart will follow shortly. They don't spend thousands of pounds and millions of pounds on advertisements in the year for, for no reason. You know, when I was working for TNT, one of the groups that did most of the advertisement that I realized was uh, Marks and Spencer's. Every day there was um, posters for this, posters for that. They know that the advertisements, they catch the eyes and then the heart is going to follow very shortly and the back pocket is going to suffer. They know. The eye also not only is the window of the soul, but the Bible teaches us very clearly that the eye can fall into lusts. Okay? <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. And anyone who disagrees with this uh, has not lived very long. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20. And it says here, at the end of verse 20, it says that the eyes of man are never satisfied. And isn't that what basically happened in the Garden of Eden with Eve? You know, she saw <coughs> the fruit, saw this tree, but it wasn't enough. The Bible says that she went on and she desired it. It was pleasant to the eyes and she desired that fruit. And you know what started with a look became a desire which ended up with a lust. You know, if we turn this around to our day, to the day that we're living here today, we can say that it's the same today. Nothing's changed. It's the same thing. When our eyes start to look upon things that they shouldn't, unnatural desires that we have, and our hearts follow, and then we start to lust, and then we start to look more, and it becomes a habit and then sin follows very shortly. The lust of the eyes. You know, the devil knows that that is a, a, key, a key stronghold. 
But we're going to know, we're going to see that we, have, we can have power over that sin shortly. And I wonder tonight, I'd like to ask the question that, oh, I wonder, are we struggling maybe with some lust, some things that we are looking at, some things that not necessarily they may be um, pornographic, or, but some things that may be making us uh, trip up maybe in our Christian lives. Okay, notice here that in the garden, it wasn't anything that was um, morally un unclean. Okay, but there was a, a lust there, there was a desire. And, um, but I wonder, is there some kind, do we, are we struggling with a, a lust? Are we struggling with the eyes? I wonder, are we, have we got into a kind of habit where we can't stop looking at something? And it's become like a habit for us. Do you know that verse 6 teaches us here that it's not only men that can lust. What I read here is that it was a woman who had that desire first of all. Women can lust as well. Oh, yes. The devil knows that. Why do you think he came to the woman first? I wonder what vanities do we spend our time looking at? Remember that the eyes are the windows of our souls. What we let inside the eyes can affect the heart. Maybe we need to make a covenant, just like Job did with his eyes. This is what Job said in chapter 31 of Job and verse 1. He says that I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? What a verse. What a verse for those that are struggling with lust. Why not make a covenant with your eyes, with the Lord? Not only that, but there's a, another verse in Psalm 119 and verse 37. And the psalmist cries out here, he says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Anything that is empty, vain, worthless. And he says, and quicken thou me in thy way. Maybe that needs to be our prayer tonight. Not only do we see the first step that she took, sorry, that she saw, but the second step that she, we see here in verse 6 is that she took. Notice it says that, and when the, woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Notice next, it says, she took of the fruit thereof. And when I read this, it made me think about the fine line that there is between falling into sin and just being on the border. Notice that at this point, Eve had not actually sinned. You know, God had said to her that you're not to eat of the fruit. Okay? Now, all we read up to here is that she saw the fruit and that she took it. And it just reminded me here of the fine line that there is between sinning and just playing with sin, just being on the border with it. You remember on Wednesday nights, do you remember the teaching that we had, the pastor was speaking about the sanitizing of sin and how sin <clears throat> gets so easy and it becomes a habit and we practice it so easily. 
And we were thinking, weren't we, about Pharaoh. And for those of you that weren't there on Wednesday night, you missed a blessing. Well, let me just share what the pastor was um, <coughs> speaking about from Exodus. And this is all about Pharaoh. And remember that um, in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1, we see that um, the Lord had spoken to Moses and he had told Moses to go out into the wilderness and to have a feast there and to sacrifice unto the Lord. That's where Moses was to spend his time. That's where Moses was to uh, minister and um, to serve the Lord. And notice in verse 1 it says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. Why? That they may hold a feast unto me in the, what's the next word? Wilderness. That's where they were supposed to be. Okay? Now, if you just turn to Exodus chapter 8 and verse 25, and remember that there were some plagues that came upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and we, came, we come here to uh, the swarm of flies that um, the Egyptians were going to suffer. And after this plague, in verse 25, it says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the, what's the next word? Land. The land of where? Be the land of Egypt. Okay? But God had told Moses that he was to go into the wilderness to sacrifice. Yeah? But here we see that Pharaoh is telling uh, Moses that he can go, okay, but when he goes and he sacrifices, that he's to do it in the land. And uh, this reminded us of um, how Satan doesn't mind us so much now that we have become a Christian um, to serve God, but do it in the world. You know, Pharaoh, uh, sorry, Moses was to serve the Lord in, in the land. That's what Pharaoh wanted. And it's a picture of how the devil, now we've become Christians, he doesn't really want us to get very fanatical, but he wants us to, you know, don't go overboard. Stay, stay in the world, but, you know, read your Bible, okay, but stay in the world and mix a bit, you know, be a little bit lukewarm. And this is basically what the teaching was on Wednesday night. And this reminded me of the fine line that there is, that Christians often take uh, with sin. But notice in verse 27, Moses said that we will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And here we see that Moses was determined to come out of Egypt, which is a sign, a type of the world. Moses wanted to come out of the world. And you know, we need to be reminded of that as Christians. The Bible says that we're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Satan would like us to mix and get us a little bit entangled in the world, but God wants us to come out and to serve him in the wilderness. He wants us to serve him in the place that he's called us to serve him. But not only that, we see here in verse 28, he says, And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God. Wow, Pharaoh's really letting uh, 
Moses go here and serve the Lord. And he says, in the wilderness, you can actually serve God in the wilderness where God has served you. Well, then he goes on to say, only ye shall not go very far, entreat for me. And what Pharaoh is basically saying, he's saying, yeah, go on then. Go into the wilderness, serve the Lord, but don't go too far. Don't go over the top. Don't be fanatical. Okay, don't be a fundamentalist. And can't you hear the devil speaking? As he so often does to Christians. You don't need to go to church twice on a Sunday. You don't need to come to a prayer meeting on the Wednesday. That's going over the top. You're getting fanatical now. And here we see how Pharaoh is having an effect upon Moses. Or trying to. And how the devil wants us to stay in the world and to be useless, really, for him. Mixture. You know, the Bible reminds us in Genesis 13, verse 12, that, you know, the Bible says that Lot was just. It says also that he was righteous. I have a belief that one day I'll see uh, Lot. But, you know, the Bible also says in Genesis 13, and verse 12, that Lot, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He was facing Sodom. And you know, as Christians, we so often like to pitch our tents toward Sodom. We like to have a little bit of Christianity on a Sunday, but we like to mix it with the world and become friends with the world and with the world system. And Christians often test God. How far can I how, can I, how far can I go with this? How far can I go with that before I have the wrath of God come upon me? How far can I test God? We often do that as Christians, and it's testing God. Why do we allow ourselves to play on the line with God? Well, I believe there are two main reasons, and the first one is that there is a lack of wisdom, okay? Um, Eve, she was faced with a, a question in the garden, and that question was, shall I eat of this fruit or not? See, Eve knew the word of God. She knew that she was not to eat of that fruit on that tree. And she was faced with a question. Do you know that as Christians, we are often faced with decisions that we need to make in our Christian lives? And you know some of those Questions, some of those decisions that we need to make, sometimes they can be very difficult for an answer. And we need wisdom. I had one of those times, a decisions that I needed to make in my Christian life, and I tell you, it was not an easy decision. And that was when I was working for the city mission, and I came to realize the issue with the modern versions of the Bible. And it was such, it was so heavy bearing upon me what I had learned and what I believed that the Lord had shown me. But you know, there was a, a part of me that wanted to compromise. There was a part of me that wanted to stay in that work. I wanted to be in full-time ministry. I wanted to be useful for the Lord on the streets and to evangelize and to go door to door, and to go to the schools, and go to the residential homes. I loved it. This was, this was, this was 
something that was I love to do. The Lord gave me that desire. He put that desire in my heart. And the last thing I wanted to do was to leave that work. But you know that this was heavy upon my heart. And I believe that the word of God is the most important thing that we have from the Lord. And if we get this wrong, everything else is going to go amiss. This is the foundation. And we need to make sure that the Bible that we're reading is the word of God. We need to make sure. I had to do a study and I did it for not only months, but I did it for years. And I, I realized that the devil has corrupted the Bibles. Why do we have over a hundred versions today? I believe it with all my heart. We see in verse 1 of Genesis 3, we see how the devil came to Eve and he put doubt upon the word of God. But the point I'm trying to make here tonight is that we're going to face difficult decisions in our Christian lives. But you know that God has not left us to grope in the darkness. He's given us a way out. And the way out we can find in James chapter 1, we're going to be turning here a few more uh, times this evening. I was just amazed that as I was putting this message together, how much that this chapter, chapter 1 of James, goes alongside what we're reading tonight. James chapter 1. I can find it in my Bible. <clears throat> James chapter 1 and verse 5. And that's quite a well-known verse. And he says, this is a wonderful promise. If any of you, yeah, speaking to us as well, lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And then it says, and it shall be given him. God is not going to let you grope around in darkness for answers. God will give you wisdom to make the right choices. He's promised it in his word. I wonder are there some decisions tonight that are massive in our lives and we just don't know which way to turn. We don't know the answer. Maybe something that's up ahead. The Bible says, let him ask of God. And he will give liberally wisdom to you. What a wonderful promise that is. Not only was there a lack of wisdom on Eve's part, but secondly, there was also a lack of the fear of God. Romans 3 and verse 18 says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. See, all that Eve had before her eyes was a tree with some beautiful fruit on it, but she didn't have the fear of God before her eyes. Unfortunately, isn't this the state of Christianity today? There is no fear of God before many Christians' eyes today. There is no reverence. God has become one of our best mates. He's become our lover. God is not like that. God does love us, but he's holy and he's separate from sinners. He loves us so much. And thank God that he's given of his, of his Holy Spirit. Well, there is a difference. God is perfect. He is holy. And we need to reverence him in our worship, in our, in our lives. 
But there was no lack of fear before the eyes of Eve. Eve, she knew the word of God, but she had not the fear of God to obey it. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says that a double-minded man is unstable in some, no, it doesn't say in some, it says in all of his ways. Eve was double-minded. She was unstable in her ways. Instead of fearing the word of God, she listened to the devil. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We need understanding. We need knowledge. The Bible says that it comes with the fear of the Lord, with reverence for the Lord God. That was the second step she took. The third step that Eve took, we see in verse 6. And it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, it says that she took of the fruit thereof, and then it says, and did eat. And that was the third step that Eve took to her sin. And it was that she ate. When Eve's will gave in to her desire, then lust was conceived. And here we see the genesis of sin. It's when our will compromises. You know, we have a choice whether we sin or whether we obey. If you're a Christian here tonight, we're going to see a wonderful verse in the Scriptures tonight. But we have a choice. Eve had a choice. She was not forced to eat that fruit, to disobey the Word of God. She had a choice to make. But Eve lusted. Have you ever heard the saying, oh, the devil made me do it? Yeah? We can see that a couple of times in the Scriptures. You know that Eve actually said those words. She said in verse 13 of chapter 3, she said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. See, Eve here is trying to blame it upon the devil. And we read later that Adam tried to blame it upon Eve. Yeah? Anybody but ourselves. Friends, we sin because we choose to sin. Let me just turn to Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Romans 6 and verse 14. And if you're a Christian in this fellowship here tonight, just notice here that God says that we have power over sin. Uh, chapter 6 and verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Eve, can you hear that? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Verse 16. Sorry, let's just carry on in verse 16. Um, Sorry, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye, what's the next word? Yield. We have a choice. 
Yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And then we see um, in verse 18, it says, Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. And that is our standing here tonight. If you're a Christian, friends, that you don't have to be under the power of sin anymore. The Bible says that we've, we have been made free from sin and that we can become servants of righteousness. Oh, yes. The Bible says that lust brings forth two results. Let's just turn back to uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And let's just see... Um, what this leads into. Chapter 1 of James and verse 15, just at the beginning, and it says here, just notice here how this really goes, goes with uh, our theme tonight in Genesis 3, but it says in verse 15, then when lust, sorry, let's just turn to verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And the first thing, result of lust, the Bible tells us, is that it brings forth sin. You know that Eve, she broke the first commandment ever recorded in the Bible. Just turn to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. This was the first commandment. It says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. That was the first commandment. And Eve knew all about this commandment. But Eve broke the commandment. And isn't that what scripture says that sin is? You know, we're learning a scripture. Next time that you see one of the young ones, maybe you could ask Martha or Jude or even Solomon. They've memorized this verse. And this is the verse, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. This is, tells us exactly what sin is. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So the next time that somebody asks you what sin is, simple. It's the breaking of the law, breaking of God's commandment. And Eve broke the first commandment in the garden. Therefore, it brought forth sin. Not only does it bring forth sin, but secondly, it brings forth death. James 1 and the end of verse 15, it says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And then it says, And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. God had told Eve what would happen if she broke the first commandment. Let's just see in verse 27, Genesis chapter 2. <clears throat> just a track there, but I know the verse basically says that for in the day that thou shalt eat, eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Verse 17. Um, that's it, sorry. 2 and verse 17. That's it. That's just the end of the verse. But of the tree of 
the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And God had told Eve that if she sins, she breaks the law, then death is going to follow. The Bible says, doesn't it, Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look, you, if you need any proof of these scriptures, that they are true, all you need to do tomorrow morning, go to the nearest cemetery and just walk around it, and all you'll see around you will be death, basically, the outcome of death. That's where it started, in the garden. That's where it is today, and that's where it will be until the Lord Jesus Christ renews everything. That's where sin will take us in the grave. You know that sin kills. Sin kills the conscience. Sin kills joy. Sin kills hope. Sin will kill usefulness. You know, Adam and Eve could have been so useful to the Lord. But sin killed that. The fourth step that Eve took, we see in verse 6, was that she gave. She, she, set, she shared her sin. It says in verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, it says she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And then it says, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And here we can see the effect that an enticer can have upon an ungodly, sorry, upon a godly person. Notice here that Eve was the one that took of the fruit and ate it. I believe that's what I can see here. She ate first before Adam. But then she went on and she enticed Adam to do the same. See, the tempter came to Eve. But the one that was tempted became a tempter. She enticed her husband to sin. And this is the effect that an enticer can have upon a godly person. You know, the Bible says a few things about enticers. Let me just turn you to the book of Proverbs. And we're in, uh, we're going to be looking at just one or two scriptures and then we're going to be uh, concluding tonight. But Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10. And I want us to see here two things about enticement and those that entice. The first one is, is that enticements are going to come. Notice in verse 10, the writer says, My son, he says, if sinners entice thee. You know that sometime in your Christian walk with the Lord, I don't know when it's going to come, but you can be sure that you're going to be enticed by another person. It might be a non-Christian, it might even be a Christian, but you're going to be enticed. There's going to come a time where you're going to be confronted with an enticer. Somebody's going to entice you into doing something that's wrong, into sin. It's going to happen. It may be to laugh 
Maybe it's some dirty jokes. Maybe at work. It may be to do what I was asked to do not so long ago at work. When I was driving my car, a young man, he telephoned me up from, he was traveling on, the, on, the, on his way to work and he said, Steve, he said, can you clock in for me? All I had to do was just to go into work, pick his card out of the machine and just clock in for him. And, um, you know, he was in a queue on the M6 and he wouldn't lose any of his wages. Oh, it would have been so easy. I should have really told him on the phone straight out, I, I can't do that, I'm a Christian, but I shied away for it for a few seconds. You know what I did? I just put the phone down on him. shouldn't have done it, I suppose. I should have said there and then. But I didn't know what to say. It just took me by surprise. But that's how sin comes sometimes. Sometimes we're faced with it so quickly. And that's where we need to be in instant prayer with the Lord. How shall I deal with it, Lord? Give me an answer. I'm glad to say that I didn't do it. But he was enticing me to sin. We're going to be faced with enticements. The Bible says, if sinners entice thee. But he goes on to say here, um, as well, <clears throat> in Proverbs 28, verse 10, he says that whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. And this is going to be the end result of those that are going to entice others to fall into sin. Now look, we may have done it already, even as Christians. We may have spoken a wrong word about a brother or sister. We may have been involved in gossiping. Okay, there are things that we do as Christians, and we do them, but we shouldn't do them. But let's not entice one another into doing these things. Because if we do, the Bible says that we're going to fall ourselves into a pit. We're going to stumble. The second thing we learn about consentment in this verse it goes on to say, if sinners entice thee, then it says, consent not, consent thou not unto them. And that word consent basically means to agree or to yield to. You know, Adam should have consented to the word of God. Eve should have consented to the word of God instead of disobeying God's word. I wonder how is it with us here tonight? Are we being enticed by others just recently? How are we responding? Are we guilty of maybe enticing others to do something that's wrong? Maybe we need to put something right with the Lord and with, with one another. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, just want to thank you tonight that we could just uh, see, dear Lord, the steps that Eve took to sin. And dear Lord, the Bible says that these things are common unto men. Oh, but Lord, we thank you that tonight we've been reminded that we don't have to let sin have dominion over us. And we don't have to yield to sin but we can yield ourselves unto you, Lord. And we just pray that if we are 
struggling with any of these issues that we have looked at here tonight in our lives as Christians. We pray, dear Lord, that we may ask you for wisdom. Ask you, dear Lord, for direction. Ask you for help. Hear our cries, dear Lord, we pray. Help us, dear Lord, not to harden our hearts. Help us not to let sin become so easy for us. Dear Lord, you want a holy people to serve you. We pray that we may be those people. And dear Lord, if there's one here tonight that knows nothing about power or dominion over sin, somebody that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their saviour, dear Lord, we pray tonight that they may put their trust in Christ alone for salvation. Thank you for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. Help us, dear Lord, we pray, as we go out of these doors tonight. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen.